Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is. Friday, March the 3rd, 2023. I am Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, Paul Perot is our producer, and he's here this morning as well. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Having fun down there. I hear you get storms on the way. It's a little breezy. Um, I described this morning's weather where I live as a brouhaha. Mm -hmm. It's a total brouhaha. I don't know how to spell that, but that's what's going on. Um, where I live today. So you can check in with me on the weather report where you are. Um, I know just like crazy snow day yesterday for um, a huge percentage of the population in the western United States, um, all the way to Baja, California. There's now a snowpack, which seems kind of crazy. So from Brujaja to Baja. mm -hmm, There you go. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a fun drive. There you go. But (laughs) anyway, so... um, Paul, you're going to take next week off, which is a much-deserved, well-deserved vacation and comes at the beginning of what is the National Day of Unplugging. So we're we're going to celebrate that you're going to be unplugged for a whole week. Hopefully by this afternoon I can unplug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is uh, Dress in Blue Day. Um, It is also If Pets Had Thumbs Day. (laughs) And there you go, which leads us to I Want to Be Happy Today Day. There you go. Mm-hmm. So we are here to um, bring the joy of the Lord, and we're going to lead off with uh, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I commend to you reading these verses in context because the beginning of verse 16 says, that is why we never give up, which is like a therefore and leads us to say, mm-hmm. what is that therefore, therefore? I mean, if you're going to substantiate what follows with something like that is why we never give up, you better know what the that is. Um, so read uh, all of Second Corinthians chapter four today. We're just going to read verses 16 and 18 here this morning. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they're not going to last very long. But they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. The things we cannot see will last forever. This indeed is the word of the Lord. Let's unpack this for just a moment. Um, Our attention is often drawn because of our pain and because of the love we have for those around us. Um, our attention is often drawn to the immediate, to the present, to that which is ultimately passing away. But it, we fixate our attention on the pain in our bodies or the pain in our relationships or the person who is beyond our reach right now. We look at the troubles that we face. We look at the bills that are due. We look at the anxiety we're suffering. We look at the chipping paint. I mean, we just do. 
And so um, this is an invitation from the Apostle Paul, who, you know, to be fair, like suffered a lot of present troubles, right? You know, he's in jail, he's been beaten, he's often falsely accused. Um, he's, he's got a lot of trauma in his life. But Paul recognized that not only was his body dying, but that this whole world is passing away. And so in the midst of this, how do we allow God to renew our spirit day by day? How do we gain the perspective of eternity? How do we regard our present troubles as small and recognize they won't last very long when compared with eternity, which lasts forever? So that's the encouragement from the Apostle Paul today. And that's my encouragement to each one of us today as well. Um, On the Friday Farm Report, I think that um, I will just say this. um, I expect things to be blown down um, today. Where I live, we're going to be facing um, a a tremendous wind event uh, today um, over the next several hours. It's supposed to start uh, in about 40 minutes. (laughs) That'll be exciting. Um, And yeah, the the rains will come, but I think more significantly across the southeastern United States today, the wind is going to blow. And so be praying for for folks um, who are, you know, seeking to get from here to there or seeking to do what they need to do today in the midst of all of that. Um, Continuing prayers for those who are still digging out. Um, Yosemite is closed. This was an interesting headline that uh, I'm going to pull it up really quick. I don't have it here right now. So let me just pull it up super quick here. Um, Yosemite National Park is closed indefinitely. Why? Well, because they have a 54-year daily snow record. And in some places, the snow is 15 feet deep. And some of you are saying to yourselves, pshaw, pshaw, 15 feet of snow. But other people are saying, 15 feet of snow? Mm -hmm. It's all about perspective, isn't it? So blessings to you wherever you are this day. Um, Let us be praying for one another and lifting up one another in holy hands before a living God. Um, Vanitha Reisner is going to join us in just a moment. Um, Vanitha is uh, a person who joins us from time to time. Um, You you know her well. Um, She is a person who requires caregiving. She requires the help of others to get along in her Um, daily routines. And so she's going to reflect with us on caregivers. Um, As a person who receives care, she's going to reflect on the importance and um, the blessedness of caregivers. So if you're a caregiver and you feel unseen, um, this next message is for you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. What a joy to have Vanitha Reisner back with us today. Um, You know her as the author of Walking Through the Fire. She's also the creator of Helping the Hurting. You can find her at Vanitha.com. Vanitha, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's great to be here, Carmen. So your um, recent newsletter caught my attention, um, focusing in on caregivers. So I, I would love to just train our focus here on um, on caregivers. I'm just to speak about, you know, your observations in terms of this essential and yet often unseen portion of our, um, you know, of our population. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because I'm not a caregiver. I'm somebody who receives care, but I am so grateful for the people that help me. And I realize like my husband is my main caregiver. People don't even know all the things that he does. And then I have friends who are caring for elderly parents and some of them can't even leave their homes because there's nobody to really step in for them and caring for children who with special needs that maybe they never get to leave because somebody else doesn't know how to care for them. And so it's one of my passions to just say, wow, there's people who are suffering and then there's the people who are caring for them. And I think we tend to look at the sufferers like, wow, they're going through so much, but we forget the caregivers are with them day after day and often put their lives on hold while they're caring for someone. So they're sort of the unseen, unsung heroes in my mind. Yeah. I have a friend, Pam, who you just like completely 100% just described. So, uh, you know, both of her parents um, were ailing in terms of their health. And um, and in August, she left her job to full-time care for them. And her dad just passed away a couple of days ago. And they've finally moved her mom into, um, you know, in, into an institutional care setting um, because she has um, pretty advanced dementia at this point. Um, and yeah, and so I just look at Pam's life and I'm like, all right, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, you know, like she's more than six months of not taking care of herself, not taking care of her family, not working in, um, you know, in her own job. And I'm wondering, like, sort of, what can I do for my friend Pam? And that's one of the things that you're um, preparing to help us understand. Yes. Yeah. There's, I think there's so many things we can do. Um, most of all, pray, but really be practical, encourage people. So it's, it's really something that all of us can do. If we are not caregivers, we can really encourage caregivers. And I think that's a, a huge job and an important job, but often we don't even think about that. We encourage the sufferer, but we don't really think about encouraging the caregiver. Hmm. Um, when we think about what the Bible says about caregiving, I mean, there's just no question, right, that that caring for others is just this clearly biblical uh, mandate, this mercy, compassion, selfless love, all behaviors strongly praised in the Bible. Um, and and so I think that there's biblical encouragement um, to, to offer um, and prayer, yes. And then I just love your emphasis on practical help. Maybe you could talk about uh, your own experience with some of your friends uh, who are caregivers as well. Yeah. Well, I think one important thing is just something practical, like invite them out to coffee. I think a lot of times people just forget that their lives are hard and they want to talk about what's going on. And I, mm. I don't think they often get a chance to do that. So that's one thing that I would say is just an easy thing to do. A more difficult thing to do, but I think really the most valuable is figuring out if you can step in for them for a short time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it involves specialized care, especially with special needs, children or adults. I mean, there may be things you have to learn how to do, but if you can do that and say, hey, I can come over for a few hours. Why don't you go out? Why don't you go do something? That's an incredible gift. I mean, they may just want to walk around because they don't have the opportunity to do that. So I would really encourage people to, if they can, to step in and say, hey, I'll, I'll be at your house. I, I will take mm -hmm. care of your child or parent or spouse for a little while. And then I think if they have the means to get away for a longer period of time saying, hey, I have a beach house or I have something that I can offer you, maybe you can get away for a little bit and I can either find somebody to help you or I can help you 
while you're gone. Those are those are big asks, but I think the gift to the people who really day after day serve with not a lot of recognition is huge. Yeah, so I think super helpful considering that. Yeah. We're talking with Vanitha Reisner. We're talking about um, caregiving and caregivers. If you, um, you're you a caregiver and you want to just text in right now um, so that we can just offer you our prayers and support, the number is 877-933-2484. We're going to... In- we're going to continue our conversation with Vanitha Reisner in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. So glad you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Bill Arnold. I would love for you to check out my podcast in the afternoons. It's called Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Spent the entire marketing budget coming up with that name. But we do scripture engagement and have lots of fun. Make sure you can check it out at MyFaithRadio.com. I will cast Continuing our conversation now with Vanitha Reisner, we're talking about caregivers. Um, are you a caregiver? Are you a person receiving care from a caregiver? I want to give them a little shout out here. Either way, invite you to text me now at 877-933-2484. Um, let's talk, Vanitha, a little bit about um, uh, people who who are suffering, who require care, who need care. Um and and maybe that relationship between the care receiver and the caregiver. Yeah, I think caregivers really lay down their lives for receivers. But I th- and I think care receivers, people like me who need care, I think a lot of times we're super grateful and we we see all the sacrifices they make. And that so it's a really sweet relationship, but honestly if I look at myself Sometimes my husband doesn't do things exactly the way I want. Maybe my coffee doesn't, you know, doesn't taste exactly the way I want, or I want more water and he isn't able to get it at that time. And I realize how demanding you can move quickly from a receiver and being grateful to, hey, that wasn't exactly the way I thought it should be. And so I would encourage people just to to really be patient and gracious with the other person. I realize sometimes I'm calling my husband like, Hey, can you get this? And I realize he's right in the middle of something. And I'm grateful that he almost never complains, but I'm sure there are people that do snap and complain. And I think for care receivers to say, wow, they're people and they are doing everything they can to help. And sometimes they're in a bad mood, but more often I think I'm in the bad mood. And they really just keep serving, even when I'm, you know, in pain or struggling and upset about my own situation, they sort of have to put their own pain and all of those things on hold to help me. So it's a sweet relationship, but I think often as a caregiver, we do take for granted a care receiver, what a caregiver does for us. We're talking with Vanitha Reisner. Um, love to hear your caregiving need or your caregiving um, experience. You can text me at 877-933-2484. Um, Vanitha, I know you have a poem um, on this topic that you'd like to read to us. So I'm going to invite you to um, to do that now. Yeah. Well, this is some background. I read this poem in college in a book. And at the time, I didn't think about it as caregivers. It was more about how do I serve people and am I a good server? And then I was recently rereading it and realized this is the life of a caregiver. So it's by a woman named Ruth Harms Cocken, and it's called I Wonder. 
You know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how I eagerly speak for you at a women's club. You know how I effervesce when I promote a fellowship group. You know my genuine enthusiasm at a Bible study. But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the calloused feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. And I think that poem so describes what caregivers often do. They are doing just that. They're washing people's feet and nobody knows. Mm. And yeah, that blew me away in college because I was leading a Bible study. I was all about, you know, people seeing my service. And I think caregivers among all people, people don't see their service. It's hidden. Jesus knows Mm. though. And that's the amazing thing is that we know that our God sees everything we do and nothing will go unnoticed or unrewarded. And, you know, the Bible talks about when we even up, offer a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, you know, it will be remembered and rewarded. And so I think for caregivers, as I'm speaking to you, I encourage you that God sees every little sacrifice and every little time somebody is sharp with you, doesn't understand what you're going through, really ignores you, um, God sees, and there will be reward for that. And I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 15. It says, 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And I think that's important for caregivers to see, yes, they are serving the person they are caring for, but in a much greater sense, they are serving the Lord. And so remembering their labor will not be in vain, even when it feels like every day they get up and they're doing the same thing. The poem um, that you read, and for those of you who are wondering, yes, I'll absolutely include it in the show notes today. Um, it's uh, it's from Tell Me Again, Lord, I Forget by Ruth Harms Calkin. Um, and the particular poem is just entitled, I Wonder. Um, uh, it reminds me so much of... Every moment holy, which are these, you know, like liturgies for daily life. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that maybe, Vanita, you're encouraging us to do is take a deep breath and get get before the Lord and um, create a little bit of a liturgy, even in the midst of what seems like incredibly difficult, mundane, um, hard, sacrificial work when it comes to caregiving. Um, it is joyful. Um, but those joys come like with hours of of service in between. And um, and so I think that's just a really, really helpful reminder. Vanita, as always, thank you so much for joining us today and um, kind of helping us see ourselves and helping us see people around us who are often unseen. Um, just appreciate uh, appreciate your your joining us today, uh, not only on this topic, but you know, so frequently, Um, the way you help us walk in the midst of challenges. So I want to encourage people to check out Walking Through the Fire um, and visit with Vanitha and sign up for her newsletter at vanitha.com. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you want to text me about um, your own caregiving experience, I'd love to hear that. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
Yeah, in my mind, I preserved all this time in order to uh, appreciate, reflect on, and celebrate um, all of the caregivers texting in. Um, And so thank you to Beverly. Thank you so much to Jojo. Jojo says, I take care of my 93-year-old mother-in-law. She doesn't want the help, but she needs it. And I do it unto the Lord. Um, Amen, amen, and amen. Um, Becky uh, talks about being a care encourager um, and... Uh, and the ways in which the the myriad ways in which she is caring for her mom and her brother and um, and others and um, and then uh, we've got a friend texting in who is a hospice nurse who says you know behind closed doors nobody sees the diligent hard caregivers day in and day out sacrifice for others um, yeah amen um, thank you to you right now if you are caring for others maybe you're caring for little children. Maybe you are caring for a person with special needs. Maybe you are caring for um, an ailing um, sister or brother or spouse or friend. Maybe you are uh, the caregiver today for a parent who is growing older or an aunt or an uncle. Um, The list is really long. And I want you to know that you're seen and that you're loved. You are genuinely doing the Lord's work. Um, you, You actually are experiencing what... The Apostle Paul talks about in today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, um, like you actually see the dying body. Um, I also hope that you experience the renewal in your own spirit day by day, even as you are an encouragement to the ones that you serve. Thank you so much for what you do. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Oh, we already did. We already went upwards with Max Lucado. Okay, well, there you go. Oh, yes. You know... Paul, sometimes I forget what I'm doing and where we are. <laughs> Not a problem. Dan DeWitt's going to join us next from Theolatte.com. Actually, Dan posted something on his Twitter feed that um, I want him to tell us about. He says it's the most helpful and encouraging talk he's ever heard on the historical and theological survey of revival. Um, it was something that Jonathan Parnell presented in chapel. Um, and so I'm going to ask Dan to tell us about that before he takes us into C.S. Lewis and the Abolition of Man. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. You say you want a revolution. God might send a revival instead. Dan DeWitt is joining us now. You can check out what we're talking about at theolatte.com or by visiting Dan on Twitter. He tweets at Dan DeWitt. Dan, good morning. Good morning. What's crack a lacking? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it is a, uh, uh, yeah, it's a brouhaha outside where I live. <clears throat> the wind is, it is really? blowing. Yeah, yeah, the wind is, uh, whip, whip, it is, uh, it's about to whip up into a frenzy out there, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's crack a lacking where you are? You posted on Twitter that probably the most helpful and encouraging talk I've ever heard on a historical and theological survey of revival by Jonathan Parnell um, at chapel. And so I was wondering if maybe um, you could just tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you referenced the wind. Um, Jesus describes the work of the Spirit like the wind. He goes wherever he wants. Um, We can't control it, um, which is a great reminder for all of us as parents or as ministry leaders 
um, or college students who might be listening, you can't control the spirit. So revival is not something we can do. Um, but the wonderful thing and the great thing for all of us, too, is we can't stop the spirit. <laughs> so we can't control it, but we also can't stop it. The spirit will do what the spirit wants to do. And so this sermon that I heard recently where, where I serve at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, Jonathan Parnell, he's a pastor in Minneapolis. He and his wife have seven kids. He's just a humble guy. And I've appreciated his kind of his tone um, as a Christian leader in, so, in the social media space. And he, like a lot of us, is less active on social media as he was, you know, kind of back when Twitter was more fun than it is now. Um, but Jonathan came and gave a sermon on revival. And an interesting thing about it is this had nothing to do with Asbury. He was asked to develop a, a, a talk on revival over a year ago for another mm-hmm. institution. And having spent several months studying it, um, preparing a talk. He delivered it elsewhere and then came to our campus and shared it as well. And what I loved about it is, um, one, he in no way negated the the authenticity of revival in general. Um, so that was helpful. But he gave a historical survey of people who prayed deeply for revival. And some of his points were that revival is an experience. And we can't overlook that. Sometimes we dismiss experiences, but he read from people like um, Martin Lloyd-Jones and people like D.L. Moody and and others who described experiences they had in which God deeply impressed upon them his love for them. And so what Jonathan did was showed how other people had experienced revival and then showed us a prayer that Paul prays, and I'll share this now, um, that really is a prayer for revival. And so what we see in Scripture is that this kind of earnest prayer Paul offers is a prayer that he would deeply understand, or actually that we would. He's praying for the believers he's writing to, and then by extension to us, um, praise that they would deeply understand the love of God. And it was amazing. Parnell read all these historical Christian leaders talk about, um, for example, D.L. Moody said that he was had an experience with God in which he so was amazed by God's love that he had to ask God to stop. He asked God mm. to stay his hand. Isn't that amazing? And mm. so here's Paul's prayer, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that is, that's an experience. He's praying that they would experience this so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's an experience. It's not the kind of thing we could base our lives off of, but it results in a life that is substantively different in terms of our understanding of God's love for us. And if Paul prayed that for us, then we should rejoice as others experience it, and we should pray that for ourselves. Um. One of the things that I'll note there is if I am filled with all the fullness of God, I am not going to be full of myself. I'm also not going to be full of anything else. And so this isn't this is a um, everything in you pressed out in order that you can be fully filled. And that means you're going to be different. Like you're going to be you're going to be different. 
Um, and that's the part of this that, Dan, I think that when people pray for revival, sometimes they're they're praying for something that they imagine is like, oh, a restoration of the way things used to be. Like, they're not really praying for a fresh wind of the Spirit to come and blow away everything um, in order that God can establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven in the life of a human being and then through them um, change things around them and change their life forevermore. Like, you know, normally I think that most people are like, eh, you know, I, I'm praying for revival so that there's more people in my church so that I don't have to give as much or do as much like, right. Like revival, revival is, um, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because it's, it, it, you can't control it. Um, the spirit is going to move not only where he will, but as he wishes. Well, and that's, and it is, it's a risky, dangerous prayer. And that's one of the things that Jonathan asked. He's a pastor, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that, but, um, and there's always something very, you know, appealing when you have a sincere pastor share a word with college students, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's different than kind of a professional speaker or something like that who travels and that's their main thing. There's a pastoral tone to it. And he asked the students, he said, you know, do you even want, do you, do you want to experience that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you want to be healed? I mean, it's one of the things that comes to mind. I mean, that Jesus directly asks, like, right? There's yes. a, do you, do you really want this? And it's going to wreck our lives, you know. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things he brought up too was it, it's not revival is not the source of new information about God. And when we see in this one prayer by Paul, um, it actually is a a deep reminder and an experience of an old truth that God loves us. But person after person, he read these accounts of their own personal revivals, and they all centered on leaving that experience with a deeper sense of the love of God. And it was it's transformative. And so for all of us, how does how does revival work? Well, God sends it to those who ask. And so what we mm-hmm. can do is not necessarily try to ride the waves of experiences. That's not how the Christian life, the ebb and flow of the Christian life. He pointed out, you know, we're called to um, discipleship. So we need to do the basic disciplines that that God gives us through his grace to grow in our relationship with him. Um, but Paul prayed this and asked this for his followers. We can ask it for us. And as you said, we might want to think about that because it's going to wreck our lives. And we all we all need it. This is revival is not for that one other person. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I wish this one person would experience that, um, you might be overlooking the fact that you need it too, and I need it. Amen. Amen. Um, let's jump into some things that you have posted at theolatte.com. Uh, um, I want to jump into C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man, which I know that that means that Reverend Castro, who's always listening to us, is now like jumping up and down with his coffee, which is probably <laughs> dangerous. Um, talk about a prophetic warning for a relativistic age. Yeah, so C.S. Lewis is, you know, C.S. Lewis has had such a remarkable influence for so many Christians, which is why we celebrate, you know, all these particular um, anniversaries in the life of C.S. Lewis. And one happened last month in February this year. The the influential book, um, The Abolition of Man, was first published, so 80 years ago last month. And it grew out of a lecture series. It's a book that really was just um, based on this lecture series he gave at the University of Durham in Northern England, which I was able to go there about a year and a half ago, which was cool to think about Lewis standing there giving this talk to students. And what the what the abolition of man deals with, it's not a, a Christian um, sermon. 
So unlike something that you might be familiar with, like The Weight of Glory, which was originally a sermon, The Abolition of Man was an academic talk that was given in an environment where you would have a pluralistic environment where you'd have people who didn't believe in God, people who um, were not believed in God, but were not Christians, might be from another religion. And what he was trying to show is that there's a objective and transcendent moral law that mm -hmm. can be discerned even through various religions and even through people who don't believe in God because they constantly are living as though there's this reality beyond them. And he starts the book out by critiquing a modern education book that's teaching students not to respond to the, the true, the good, and the beautiful as an objective reality, but to actually see things as a merely a subjective kind of appraisal of the situation. So something's not necessarily beautiful, but rather I have sublime feelings about it. And the emphasis then becomes on the subjective um, interpretation of something. Well, Lewis is saying, no, there's an objective reality outside of us. And if we don't teach people to um, properly develop their affections, to recognize the true, the good, and the beautiful, then what we're going to end up with are, as Lewis famously said, men without chest. Men who don't recognize the objective beauty and try to live in accordance with it. So Lewis was critiquing the relativism of his age, and it's a powerful prophetic warning against what will happen in our age. And for people who really don't, I mean, the abolition of man is not the best place to start with Lewis if you're new to C.S. Lewis. It's, it's a bit dense and academic, but if you're a sci-fi fan. Lewis's sci-fi trilogy, the final book, That Hideous Strength, takes the same arguments and puts them in story form. So if that's more your style, you might check out That Hideous Strength by C.S. Lewis. Um, or maybe this summer we'll just check out C.S. Lewis, The Writer Who Found Joy. Well, that'd be another way to do it. Thank you, Carmen. Because what's that going to be? <laughs> what's what's that? What what We're anticipating it. What is it? So the C.S. Lewis, The Writer Who Found Joy, is my my new children's book that will come out this summer, and it's um, a picture storybook about C.S. Lewis that I'm publishing through B&H Kids. Um, the illustrator is just an, did a marvelous job. Um, I'm so eager to share this with everyone. And what it does is it introduces children to C.S. Lewis's life. There, there are a number of kind of books that introduce children to C.S. Lewis. And in some places, I really love the copy, but don't love the illustrations. And then in others, I, you know, it's, I love the, the uh, copy, but, or the illustrations, but not the copy. In this case, I got to do my own, right? And so I was able to load in little bits and pieces, little tidbits um, that I think adults will enjoy. And it will introduce um, kids to the wonderful life of C.S. Lewis from his childhood of losing his mom um, all the way till his own death on the same day as uh, the assassination of President J.F. Kennedy. And so I am thrilled about that book coming out, and everyone should buy at least a couple hundred copies for you and your closest <laughs> friends. <laughs> all right, we're going to continue our conversation with Dan DeWitt in just a minute. Um, we're going to answer the question, um, like, is there a God you can shoot? Mm -hmm. Is God a God you can shoot? Mm -hmm. What does that even mean? That's up next on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, 
all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. As for those of you concerned about the weather where I am, <clears throat> um, because you're watching, I don't know, the Weather Channel or whatever, I am using dog barometers, <clears throat> and the two dog barometers in my uh, in my studio this morning are both sound asleep on their little pillows, and so based <laughs> on the dog barometers, everything's fine. <laughs> when the dog barometers go off, then I'll get concerned about the weather outside. Dan DeWitt <laughs> is here with us. You can find what we're talking about at theolatte.com. Um, Dan, can I shoot God? What does it mean to have a God you can shoot? Well, I will, I'll start by setting this up with a, a, a quick story of another author whose book I just absolutely loved, which is a reference to C.S. Lewis, too. Jennifer Fulweiler, she's a stand-up comedian um, now. She used to have a nationally syndicated um, series radio um, program. But she has a book called Something Other Than God, which describes how she grew up as an atheist with atheist parents and as an adult decided to reexamine her her commitment that there is no God. And she had a friend tell her um, she was going to look into every religion and she was really motivated to consider every religion except for some weird reason, Christianity. She just found it like morally repugnant and was willing to look everywhere else except there. And her friend said, you know, you actually should start with Christianity because it makes this really unique claim that God came to earth in the flesh. And if you could discredit that, I mean, if that claim can be examined historically. And so the post that you're referring to, um, a God you can shoot, is really dealing with that that's at the heart of the Christian message, this claim that God did leave footprints in Palestine, that God did walk on land. If we could go back in a time machine, we could actually see him, that this is not kind of a merely a um, faith commitment. We believe that, you know, there's some existential reality behind this. No, we actually believe that Jesus was a baby who had to have his diaper changed, um, that he actually died on a cross and bled real blood that you could have seen. So um, in his book, it's a huge book, but it's really um, interesting and helpful. N.T. Wright, in The Resurrection of the Son of God, he's a, a British scholar. He tells the story of a king who called upon his shooters, his archers, to shoot the son. And they, his best archers, they fired their arrows all day long, and they were not successful. So the king sent them home, said, come back tomorrow. He was not very happy. They got a night's rest. They came back prepared, and they shot at the sun all day long, and they couldn't reach it. And then the king said, okay, go home and get some rest. Come back tomorrow. And if you're unable to hit it, I'll kill all of you. <laughs> and so they came back the next day, and they chose their youngest archer, Um and he decided not to begin shooting at the sun. Um, as the sun rose, he waited. And the king was seated on his throne outside. And in front of his throne was a reflection pond. And the young archer waited until the sun was directly overhead. And you could see it in the re reflection pond. And so he pulled back his bow and he shot his arrow not into the sky, but into the reflection pond. And he hit the sun. Now, in this case, he hit an image of the sun, but that illustrates, N.T. Wright uses it as an illustration, that that which he could never 
see or not see that he can never get to on his own. The only way he could touch it is if there was an image that was close enough for him to touch. And the thing I love about that is in Colossians, Paul says that Jesus is the icon, is the Greek word, the image of the invisible God. And it would seem that God did come close enough for us to shoot. And as history shows us, um, our arrows found their mark. Um, and so yeah. I love that illustration. I just think it's a powerful way to express what Christians believe. Well, and we shot him. Like, we did. Not, not with arrows, but right. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he is pierced for our transgressions. Um, I heard, I heard someone say, so, not, that's so profound. Isn't that, it's just, it's, it's, you know, I'm a bit of a poet at heart. So I love the, the kind of the poetic nature of it, but I also love the power of, an illustration that people can connect to. Yeah. Um, but I heard someone say not long ago, if I was the only person on earth, Jesus still would have come and taken flesh and died for me. And if I was the only person on earth, I would have nailed him personally to the cross. And I thought that that's a good way to put it. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and yet he still came, right? And still offers us forgiveness and life. And any person listening right now could respond in faith um, to this one who was pierced for us, who was risen on our behalf, and anyone can look to him in faith. And all who call upon his name, as Paul tells us in Romans, will be saved. And to go back to the wind metaphor earlier, Jesus um, told the Nicodemus in John 3 that the Spirit blows wherever it will. Um, who knows, maybe right now the Spirit may be at work in someone's heart. And I would just encourage you, look to him in faith and accept this gift. He was pierced for you so that you can know life. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Hey, I have um, something for you to add to the worldview reader this week. And I just yeah. saw it this morning. So it's not like I knew about it yesterday and could have told you, but I feel like you have the power to edit. So <laughs> Dion Sanders is now the football coach at the University of Colorado and he's a Christian, and apparently he's been praying with his coaches and his players, and the, um, you know, the people who don't like that <clears throat> have been have been upset. And um, then Senator Tim Scott has now, like, publicly now advocating for Deion Sanders and his right to, um, you know, to, to speak to the Lord, his God, whenever and wherever he wants to. Um, and um, anyway, I just think that in terms of a worldview conversation— um, there's some interesting things happening out there. Um, and they're all black men. Like I, I think mm. about Eric Adams and, um, his sermon was very sermonic. Um, his, his speech earlier this week, um, in New York city at the New York public library to an interfaith group. Um, I think about that. And then I think about Deion Sanders and I think about Tim Scott and I'm like, you know, there's some strong black men stepping forward in really profound ways um, in the worldview conversation right now. Um, and I think we ought to be heeding their voices and um, celebrating their presence. Amen. Yeah. You know, so, I heard recently, speaking of NFL, a Christian um, hip hop artist who hosts a number of NFL guys um, just to encourage one another in their faith. And he brings in some pastors to minister to them. And uh, we need to pray 
for, you know, um, these these guys, especially like Deion Sanders, who are going to take flack and be at the center of controversy because of their faith and pray that God would encourage them and that they would have a deep sense of the love of God as they do what they do. It's just such a wonderful thing. So I will add that to the week, the to the worldview reader. Amen. Uh, it's National Cold Cuts Day. What would be on your sandwich? Um, there would be a lot of Italian meats, mm-hmm. mozzarella. I'm totally going with that Italian sub. Yeah. If I'm going to yep. get a cold, if, if I got to have a cold cut sandwich, I'm going with that Italian sub. And I want um, that um, red wine vinegar as like the only yes. condiment. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, I have an Italian mom, and she can make she can make a sub. I'm telling you, Carmen. I need nice. to at some point. I need to bring you one of my mom's Italian subs, or just make a YouTube video of her like putting one together. There, and I'll, I'll tag I mean, you on it. There you go. I would love that. <laughs> You'd right, rather man, have, have a video a... over a sandwich? Come on, Carmen. No, no. I'll I bring... would love to have the sandwich, but with the video, then you have the 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 possibility of reproduction. There you go. That makes like sense. Like, if you just bring me one, there's probably some secret thing she does that's not going to be evident. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. We're going to have to leave it right there. Um, as always, thank you so very much um, for your um, your wit, your wisdom. Thank you for joining us. That's Dan DeWitt. You can find him at theolatte.com and uh, everything we talked about today. There you go. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Thanks again for um, all of the interaction on the text line today. Thank you to those of you who are caregivers, and thank you for those of you celebrating caregivers. Um, A note um, in here as well, um, just acknowledging that there are, you know, there's just lots of other people um, who have really complicated relationships. Um, And so let's be praying today for families who have a family member who's incarcerated. Let's be um, praying today for people who have a family member who's institutionalized in some other way. Let's be praying today for folks who have a family member in rehab, um, on and on and on and on and on. Um, And let's be thankful for the caregivers in all of those environments as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you're going to care for someone today in the spirit of Christ. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.